Hello, you're listening to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. If some of our discussions and tips are working for you, why don't you grab a 15-minute call with us at ecommercecall.com. We'll see whether we can help scale your e-commerce business. We will quickly see if we're a fit or whether we can recommend someone else to get you where you need to go. The worst case is you'll have a fun 15-minute chat and regardless, you'll come away understanding a lot more about your business. Book a call at ecommercecall.com. Hello and welcome to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week, we're focusing on the KPIs we use to grow e-commerce sites. The seven KPIs, and we go through them in this podcast. So let's get started. Hello, Ian. How are you? Morning, Mark. Good. How are you doing? I'm all right. Nice to hear from you. So today on the podcast... We are going to talk about uh, the KPIs that we mentioned in our book, which kind of got us all started on this journey. And I think there's, you know, there's, I think there's some pressure on us to kind of always come up with new, exciting content and you know different things. But at the same time, you know, we're all, um, you know, with with the, with the e-commerce sites we're working on and the e-commerce sites that obviously our listeners are working on. We only actually need to grow one site and we only need to do it one way. So if there is a, a proven way that we've done it, then it's important for us to bring everybody back to those KPIs to kind of go over them. Because I think a lot of entrepreneurs, myself included, we always look after the shiny new thing, don't we? We always kind of want to grow in a different way and have a different technique and this kind of secret technique and different stuff. But actually, often the boring things are actually what make the difference. And so in the, the Facebook group this week, we're actually giving away um, some training on how to grow your KPIs. I'll also put the link for that in the show notes as well if you want to grab that. Um, how to, how to, not how, only how to understand what the KPIs are, but how to measure them and how to find those information at Google Analytics. So that's worth grabbing if you haven't got it. But we thought we'd do this podcast just as a recap on the main uh, KPIs, which are the seven of them, um, if people haven't read our book. We're going to go through them, uh, how you might uh, measure them, and just have a discussion about them because we haven't talked like specifically about the KPIs in a while. So um, what, what, any, uh, do you want to kick us off, Ian, on, on the KPIs? Yeah, that's, um, that's a good summary. I think, yeah, I think it was, it, you know, the nice thing about the KPIs are obviously the, the numbers. Um, and the, and the good thing about it is that you can assess, if you know what your KPIs are going to be looking at, because sometimes people don't know what the KPIs they should be looking at. And then, and then when they do find them in, in Google Analytics or, or elsewhere, they, they don't know what they should be, um, i.e. what's an average. So are we strong? Are we bad? Are we, you know? yeah. and, then, and then the other thing you've got to do is then, is if you, if you want a £5 million version of your business, you've got to say, Okay, well, what, what does a five million pound version of my business look like? What would the KPIs be if I was if I was doing five million? You know, how how far could we push this add to basket percentage, for example? You know, if we're doing two million now, we've got to get to five million. You know, how, what does that need to be, and what realistically could it be? You know, let's say it's seven eight percent now um, add to basket. You know, if I'm and I'm doing two million, well, could I'm not, I'm not going to get the growth just from that KPI, and, and the, probably the most realistic that could ever possibly be would be maybe maybe nine percent for this type of business. So that's a you know 
X percent uplift of growth. So the, so the rest of the growth is going to have to come from somewhere else. So it's, you yeah. start to look at which, how far you can push each one. Yeah. So and it's a framework, it, isn't it? It makes conversations. It makes it makes conversations a lot easier. I mean, when we get someone we're talking to and they're doing like twenty million, and you think, oh my god, this is a complicated business. But actually, there's always always inherent simplicity in every business. If you bring it back to a set of key constraints and key KPIs, then you start having a conversation in the in a much better way, and uh, things start popping out and, and and it starts making sense because whenever we think something's complicated, the human brain is always trying to create a complicated solution for it. And actually, complicated, complicated uh, problems often have a simple, a simple solution. So we should always look for the simple solution because that's, that's going to be the easiest way to, yeah. to grow, isn't it? Well, and, and often when you're looking at a business doing 20 million, it's often easier to get another 5 million out of it, isn't it? Because they've got... The, you know, a small change to one of the conversion rate or average order value or lifetime customer value KPIs has a massive, massive effect because they've got so much traffic. Mm. And often, um, often when they've got that big, they're usually sitting on something that they've got, oh, we haven't done anything. We haven't, you know, what's your, you know, lapsed customers, or oh, we don't really do anything for that. Or like, what's your, you know, the, the, those segments and they kind of go, because it's so big, so busy, so busy growing. There's usually something sitting, sitting, kind of sleeping under the rug. You go, oh, I'll just lift this back, and you go, oh my god, you forgot about all this. And mm. you know, when you're smaller, you're kind of like, you know, all those gains are so important that you go and get, you, you know, you you're aware of them, you're driving it. But as you get twenty million, you've got a bigger team. You know, it becomes it becomes harder to kind of make sure that all, everything's not, you know, not forgotten. So um, I'm just looking at the book so I can remember what they are. You know, because I, um, I always forget one or two. Anyway, yeah. and let's go through. Let's go through the first one. As you mentioned, the first one was the add to basket rate. So, um, you know, I think in the book, probably one of the things we do badly in the book is we kind of say, "Oh, yeah, your add to basket should be eleven percent." And I think that that's a little bit confusing because we obviously wanted to benchmark. We wanted to give people a kind of idea of what it would be. But at the same time, the add to basket rate, the one that you're going to get is going to be dependent on a couple of things. First of all, the average order value. The higher the average order value, the lower the add to basket rate. I mean, it makes sense. You know, if you're, if you're in a supermarket buying a, a, some sweets, you're much more likely to pick it up and put it in the basket than if you are walking around a furniture store and looking at sofas. You're not going to pick every sofa and put it in the basket. You know, it's more a considered purchase. And then the other thing that's going to massively affect your add to basket rate is your repeat customer rate. So those two things are something we look at when we're looking at a store to work out what your add to basket rate is. And you know everybody goes, oh, what should my add to basket rate be? And that's 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 a question that you know obviously we have to look at experience. But like if I'm looking at a furniture store, a thousand, a thousand dollar, maybe one thousand five hundred pound average order value, then. You know, I know that a good add to basket rate for them is four and a kind of normal one is about two and a half and a kind of optimized one is about three. So you know, it, it, it's just experience, isn't it, Ian, of kind of knowing yeah. what we... Well, that would be, we, yeah, that would yeah. be an average order value of probably around 800, 900 pounds plus yeah. for, that, for that level. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If, you've, if, you've, if you want to benchmark yours... 
um, you know, and you can't find the information on it. And, you know, the, the first thing is, is anyway, if you've not tried to improve it, there's usually ways you can improve it. You know, it's, it's like what's get me- what get measured gets improved. And so, you know, measure yours and yeah. then improve it. There's always, then- there's always about 30% if you've never tried to optimize it. You know, so that, that's the first yeah. thing to have a go at. Yeah, and we took. I mean, the reason we came you know, the eleven percent one is, is because we based that on what we thought was typical normal e-commerce on average. So that yeah. was an average order value of about a hundred pounds. Life to about twice. They would buy twice a year, um, and so the site was converting at about four and a half five percent. Yeah. So we had a yeah. good mix of existing customers, businesses that are doing probably about. You know, five million. But if you're recruiting new customers all the time, that's obviously going to have an effect. So, I mean, mm. lifetime customer value. So, I mean, it's, it is an average. But I think if you saw a business that had an add-to-basket stat of between, you know, seven and, you know, twelve, you'd be oh, that's about right. If if the yeah, average order okay. value is yeah. yeah. But it's, it, you wouldn't be kind only, of like, oh my god, there's such an opportunity there. But you know that a lot of the time, yeah. You know, I saw one the other day. It was they were selling something for about hundred dollars, and their basket rate was about two percent. You know, well, that's never going to work. No matter what traffic you send to the site, what traffic you buy to the site, it's always going to struggle. Yeah. And so therefore, that's your first hurdle. And 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 yeah. really. We talk about the add to basket rate a lot because optimizing the product page, everybody has to go through the product page to buy. You know, they don't have to go through a category page, they don't have to go through a home page, but they do have to go to a product page because yeah. that's where they're actually selling uh, the product. And, and like I was looking at a, a huge yeah. site today, and, and which you'd, you're going to be doing the presentation to, I think, in early uh, January. And I mean, they're doing 200 million or something like that. And not quite. Not oh. quite, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're doing a lot anyway. Yeah, <laughs> they're doing a lot, um, and there, theirs was a kind of similar story in that everybody wasn't coming through the categories or the homepage. They're just landing on the product page, and then the product page becomes it's almost like its own mini website, just selling that product on that product page. And so, therefore, obviously, any improvements to the product page, you're going to make a massive difference to that business. Yeah, yeah. So, I think there's often it's, one, it's often the 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 first place to to look, and it's actually probably the most game. It's also the most complicated one to get right. But um, but I think if I go through the checklist in the book. I mean, that's the basic thing. Get those right. Yeah, the checklist. The checklist is a good place to start. Yeah, um, and then um, we're going to do with some training below the podcast, which should tell you which is give you a little bit more information about how you can measure these. Add a basket in a nutshell. Is available in Google Analytics in the enhanced e-commerce areas, just under the overview in e-commerce. If that's filled in, if you're on Shopify, that will be filled in by default. If you haven't got that, and you're on something like WooCommerce or Magento, and you haven't got those uh, that that those tags filled in, then the easiest way to do it is just to add what's called a Google Analytics event to trigger every time the add to basket button is triggered, and then we would look at unique events because. We don't want to count, let's say someone adds five things to the basket. We don't want to count that as five events. We want to count that as one. We basically want to know whether that customer got to that stage of adding something to the basket or not. 
because that's the difference. Otherwise, what will happen is you might get customer A who adds 20 things to his basket and then 10 customers that don't add anything to the basket and you go, oh, I've got really high to basket just because of that one customer. We actually want to think of it in stages. Like how does the person bounce on the website? Do they add something to the basket? Do they go to the checkout? Do they actually check out? Those are the simple, simple funnels. Mm. So I mean, that's, add to basket. If, yeah, I was going to say, the, the reason why we say we don't actually have a KPI of, um, we, don't, well, we don't talk about conversion rate a lot because con- conversion rate comes from adding to baskets, going from basket to checkout, going from checkout to order. Yeah, so, and, and I think it wasn't, it wasn't, the reason we broke it down into add to basket and basket to order, or you break it down into to basket to checkout and checkout to order, was because we wanted people to focus on the right area and what happened was if we didn't break it down, people would come and talk to us about, oh, I need to, need to fix the checkout. Oh, I need to fix the basket page. And we wanted to know at least where the problem problem was. It's like, you know, like going to the doctor and saying, I've got pain. And it's like, well, you know, where is the pain? Where, yeah. you know, what do we need to fix? You don't just say, I've got pain, just give well, me a Well, that happened all the time, out. you know, because mm. people were just looking at conversion rates and saying, I need to get my conversion rate higher. And, and then guessing on the site where it was, where it could be improved. So, mm-hmm. that, so they, they know the conversion rate, which what, let's say it was 1.5%. And then they would start guessing on the site, which bits were, were bad. And that's yeah. just like, what? It's crazy. So yeah, that's why. And often, you go into the rabbit hole, you go into the yeah. right rabbit hole. And then once you want, you know, once you know, it's the add to basket, right? You go into that rabbit hole and then we've learned how and where to look. And yeah. we know that 20% of the products drive 80% of the add to baskets and therefore, you know, which ones we need to focus on and all that, all that jazz. And it just becomes, it's like unraveling, um, something that looks complicated, but isn't. So that's the add to basket, right? The next KPI is the website speed and capacity. So, you know, I, I think. If anything, this KPI, I mean, it's super important, super, super important. But at the same time, I think people can get obsessed with this one and it can slow them down. So like, you know, the Google page speed tools, you know, people can look at that score often on mobile. It's like 40 out of 100. It looks really, really bad. But, you know, it like I, I can't say that like when I've moved that score from a 50 to 90, I've seen huge, huge gains. Sure, it's something we do, we tick the box, we make sure we do, we've got a fast website. So we, you know, when we're, we're maximizing Google AdWords spend or Facebook spend, we're getting into those auctions where a slow site means we don't get into them. So we've got a fast site and stuff like that. But it's not like if I'm sitting around like a conversion rate of 0.5 and then suddenly I get this score from 30, to 80 and suddenly my my problems go away but there is a problem let's say if your website is loading say in google analytics it's loading at 10 seconds it's a massive problem Mm. yeah people are just not going to check out you know it it is gonna it, it is gonna affect it so it's it's effectively one of those kpis that is super super important but then there's a law of diminishing returns and i think you can dive too far into it sometimes and not, you know, you can keep going, oh, I want to get 100, I want to get 100, I want to get 100. And really the difference between 18 and 100 is probably not that much in mm. terms of financial gain or or, or the otherwise. So, I mean, I think, people must be, 
in Black Friday at the moment, now's the time, isn't it? When you, when well, it, you, when it, when it, your conversion rate, even if you don't do any Black Friday offers at all, your conversion rate will still go up and your traffic still goes up because there's just more shoppers online yeah, looking for a deal. Yeah. But yeah, the speed isn't it? I think really, I mean, the website speed, that was always one that we that we've always thought is you know, should it be there as a main KPI and I think if we rewrote the book again we probably wouldn't put it there um, yeah it's more like a check in the box make sure you've got a yeah, fast website it shows and itself yeah. in the other the reason why I think that's true is that it shows itself within the other KPIs that you've got so if mm. you know if you're if you if you're really struggling with add to basket and basket checkout checkout to order if they're really low it's one of the things on the on the diagnosis that you go through and check. You know, yeah. where is the website speed? Um, so, well, it shows you can check it first. Everyone you do, and that's why it's the not program. They just we go and do that as as yeah. a, as a yeah. given because you know it's like one of those things. It's like just check that you're not you're not pulling a, a ball and chain around with you. Oh, you are. You've got a ball and chain. Let's yeah. get rid of that. You know, it's, it's yeah. just becomes I, I obvious. Think it's, I think I think yeah. because the reason why it's you know we. we like if I think if you speak, if you did a Google search on how important website speed is, you know, obviously they're going to tell you it's to do dial, stop everything and do it. Now, we're not saying it's not important, but it, you know, that people are not going to buy from you just because you have a fast website. They're going to buy from mm. you because you value propositioned right. You know, they're going to buy from you because you've got competitive offering. You've done the job of creating desirability Getting creating convincibility, getting rid of the pain points, giving them the reason to act now, mm. you know, convincing them with social proof and trust, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's why you're gonna get the sell. So you know, it's another one of those sort of magic pill things. Website's gonna be really, really fast, so people are magically just gonna go and buy. It doesn't happen like that. Yeah, I think it's easy to convince yourself that oh I'm not doing as well as I think was got my website's got eighty and I should need to get mm. ninety and you know, it's, 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 you know, I'd rather have a slow website with a horrible checkout that people really wanted to buy from that would like fight th through, you know, quicksand yeah. to buy from rather than a fast website with a product that people didn't really want to buy. You know, it, it's, if you've got something that people want, people will find a way to buy it. Mm. And, you know, we've seen some hideous websites do really, really well. Um, just because of they built the, the you know the the, the desire and the, the yeah. and they've removed the friction from the purchase. Yeah, I think it's it. I think the caveat to the speed one is if you, if your website is incredibly slow, where yeah. it's you know it's ten seconds every every page refresh, then obviously yeah. that's going to go. Yeah, Google yeah. Analytics anything over four we like we don't like. You know, like if we yeah. see it like two and a half seconds, three seconds, we're pretty happy. Anything over four, we kind of go, eh, you're going to be losing some people there. There's no, mm. you know, that's a bit annoying. Well, to be honest, look at the conversion rate. Yeah. And what you can do is you can do a segment of your bounced traffic and then you can see how much, um, what the average page load is for bounced traffic compared to normal traffic. And then you can see how much of a big deal it is for them because you'll often find that bounced traffic has a much higher page load speed and that will give you some insight yeah. into what's happening All right so the next one is lifetime customer value so super super important this one and it, it this is basically the, the the elephant in the room with e-commerce in that this 
Met KPI will affect everything else. So if you've got a great lifetime customer value, that's going to increase your add to basket rate. It's going to increase your average order value, and it's going to it's going to affect your ability to grow traffic. So one of the tools we put out there is called the margin calculator sheet, and you know once you've filled it in, you've put in your your overheads and your um, your costs and all those kind of things. You can then you know have a play around with your lifetime customer value, and you'll you'll be amazed at how quickly the profit increases as the lifetime customer value increases. So you know Ian and I always say it's about you know how much it costs to acquire a customer and how much a customer is worth to you. So super super important lifetime customer mm-hmm. value. And I know one of our big clients you worked with last year. And they were, they're pretty much focused on, I think he said to you, look, this year, I just want to focus on getting repeat businesses from 1.5 to 2.5. And if you think about that, that's the reason why this year I've been able to take their Google spend from about £20,000 a month to, uh, we're probably on about th- almost £300,000 a month now in, in Google ad spend. And that's solely due to your work last year on getting that second sale. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. So yeah, there's like two, I was, value. yeah, I think there's two there's two elements to an e-commerce business, like two fundamental functions. There's, there's first if you had a, like a department, and obviously people do have departments, but you know, if you had you've got your recruitment side of the business, which is focusing on on how can we get more out of the existing advertising budget so we're as efficient as we possibly can, um, knowing that we're advertising in the right places getting the right people, giving the right offers, the right deal, the right scarcity, and we, we're doing as max, most we possibly can. The second side of the business is the retention business. And that's how you get them to buy again. So you've got mm-hmm. a recruitment on one side of the room and you've got retention on the other side of the room. And they are the vital, vital, they should be equal strength in terms of yeah. your focus and effort. So if, you've, if, you're, if you're just doing recruitment... You're focusing on new customer acquisition, new customer acquisition, and you and there's no one sat in your retention corner who's working on that, massively going to limit your long-term growth. Because hmm. if you if you just focus on your recruitment side, you're going to have to pay to recruit new customers all the time. And that means that to scale to 5, 10, 20, 30 million, you're gonna to have to pay to get there. Every single time you want a new customer, you have to pay. Okay, you might get a bit of natural SEO, you know, but that's never going to get you that far. You, you know, you're always going to have to start paying. And the, and the way Google's going, it's going to that's, that's obviously changing, isn't it? You know, it's much mm. much more dominant by the paid channels. So you know, you and imagine and what happens is if you get your retention team up to speed, if you focus on that it means you can give more budget to your recruitment team because you've got the confidence that's going to come back in. And that's what you just said, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, one, th- one confusing about lifetime customer value, we get very, people get very confused about how to measure it. And so I just do a very simple way of, I get the total value for 12 months, total value of orders for 12 months. And then I get the, all the email addresses of the customers and I, and I count the number of emails of the customers and I divide the revenue by the number of customers. Now, and, I, and that gives me an overall kind of rough 
lifetime customer value. Now, the difficulty with that is, of course, that you might have some customers that have come to you in the past three months or the past month that won't have had time to mature enough into a full lifetime value. But if we look at that figure year on year, then the same seasonality that happened last year, you know, Christmas time or Black Friday, will happen at the same time this year. And therefore, we've got something to compare. So it, it, there's lots of tools out there. There's Lifetimely and there's Retention Rx and things like that you can use for lifetime customer value. But I literally do back of a beer mat kind of calculation and look at it year on year to see whether that, you know, unique customers, or total revenue divided by unique customers month on month, sorry, month, uh, month against that month last year is growing or decreasing and seeing how we're going. Mm. And that's really, that was enough for me to keep growing, to understand where I was, whether I was moving in the right direction, and also effectively, and, and it kind of ties into um, the next KPI, which I'll just introduce, which is the well, growth hang of the on a six. second. Wait, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, just too, just too fast. Too fast, yeah. There's some there's some little nuggets of life nuggets. that you just just you're just moving off. You've left. I do so apologize audience. I, I so I often ask, I all, we always, always ask, what is your lifetime customer value? And I ask that to every e-commerce business that we ever meet. And we all it's always a main, main that it, it does tend to be that that secret lever to pull that's gonna allow them to mm. to get scalable profitable growth and the average lifetime customer value that always comes out is around 1.5 times a year so on average our customers buy 1.5 times a year that's a blended mm. rate across the whole business and that that seems to be what they first say and i think there's two things to it at a top level if you've not looked at your lifetime customer value, you have to do it first on a general level. You have to do what Mark just said. So you take take October, for example. October 2021, that was last month. Take that month. How many customers did we recruit in October 2020? And how many times have they bought again? And do the same thing for the months previous to that. So the customers that were new in October 2020, how many of them have bought again? And you do that as a broad, broad brush. And then once you get into lifetime customer value, you can then start to do that and find out what products they bought in their first month when they first became a customer and whether or not the products they buy affects lifetime customer value. And then if you find that there are certain products that people are buying that mean that they buy five times a year on average rather than one, one hit wonders, it makes sense to spend more budget, doesn't it, on the advertising for those products that are giving you the five times lifetime customer value. So you move your, because obviously on when you're doing your Google Shopping and your paid campaigns, you're only looking for well, how much how much did it cost us to recruit that customer? You're not looking at lifetime customer value, but it would make sense to spend more money on and promote the products that actually give a more loyal customer. Because it's not going to cost you any more money in your recruitment budget. But it's going to have a massive impact. So that's when you start to get into it in a bit more detail. And you know what? I don't think any – it's very – I've never met an e-commerce business that's actually done that. It's, very, it's, it's rare, isn't it? Because yeah. it's so – they're kind of like – and it's such an important thing. 
But you know, well, we both know the secret to increasing lifetime customer value is focusing on getting a second sale. Yeah. That's that's like the that's like the lever within it and getting that second sale. So that's kind of like almost like with the yeah, to basket, we dive into it to the pretest rule twenty eighty. Diving into the lifetime customer value is getting that second sale yeah. and getting that metric and working out, you know, if someone, a big buyer, you know, can we get them to buy quicker and all those things in that is getting the second sale. So that's why, you know, I, I talk to people about that on the level two program and I go, right, how are we going to get the second sale? Because I know that that will, that's like a game changer. It's almost like yeah. a domino in a customer's mind. They go from buying once, first date kind of thing. Oh, I've gone on a date once, second date. Oh great! Bought twice. They're committed. You know, by the time they come up, they they're, they're committed. Got to go through with it. It's a different relationship. Isn't Get married. It? You know, we might as well have a third date. Let's go for it. Well, so, I I do, and I think if you look, if you analyze, when you start to analyze, you know, your multi buyers, and when I mean, we've worked with some catalog businesses in the past, and they're like amazing at this. So any direct mail, e-commerce mm. um, based company, you know, they're they they they're all over this. And they'll they'll put you into you know naught to six month single buyers, naught to six month multi buyers, and 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 they'll tell how many times people and it's always the the most profitable segment or the best most buoyant segment is going to be the 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 existing multi buyers. So the people who have already bought again buy again and again and again. Mm-hmm. The people that don't buy again. Um, unless unless they come back and buy, I think within the first six months again, they just disappear because they don't, mm. on average, I mean, obviously, start, you know, generalising, but I think that's what you have to do in the, in when you're trying to set set the scene, the overall. So you want to get people. That's why the second sale is important because because it yeah, it, you know, as soon as you this sort of this, they feel more loyal, and I think that's mm. this is where the brand is built. I think this is where brands come from, is actually yeah. from existing customers buying more than once. And then they start to feel connected with these, with this your company. And they and then that's where the brand and that's where the word of mouth we, comes we from were, and et cetera. We were just thinking about we're so lucky that fifteen years ago our first customers in e-commerce were big catalogue brands. Yeah. Because we just they've been doing it for years and years and years, and we just take that. From there, like, oh, you're doing that. You're sending those recency frequency segments. I wonder if they'll work on email. Boom! Oh, they do. You know, it was all. It was so. It was yeah, so and they easy had the, to translate they did, that. And they had the recruitment offer. They had a very strong recruitment offer, and they had, and they were very good at split testing, and they had a very strong retention offer, and they had the reactivation offer. Mm. And yeah, uh, yeah mm. it, 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 we were lucky, actually, mm. because they were. They, Am I allowed to go on to the next KPI? Yet? Yes. Okay, growth of six-month recruitment growth from sorry, growth of six-month customer recruitment year on year. So now this one, this one was particularly because I used to do so one big customer in particular. I used to do their business case for them. I used to do the business planning each year. I'd have to do it probably in about August, maybe 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 October. Uh, and plan out all the budgets for the next year for for this client. And they wanted to obviously grow and they wanted to know how much they had to spend on everything. And they wanted to, you know, how much money they were gonna put AdWords, Facebook, you know, investment, um, development. And we had to do the whole shebang and it was a big document. And it was amazing how accurate we were. I think we were probably lucky at the time, but it was amazing how accurate we were with it. 
and one thing that because that was you know it was a difficult thing for me to do was to work out what the growth was going to be and how much more money I was going to have to put into the business and I created this KPI which was the growth of the six month customer recruitment year on year it was because I needed to know going into next year how much of a tailwind I had based on the customers I'd recruited last year or in the past six months that were going to help me next year and how much money I needed to put into marketing to recruit customers that weren't there to top it up to the level so this was absolutely key for me to understanding how much I could grow. Because Ian and I get asked this all the time. So, oh, we want to grow. We want to do this. We want to get to, we're doing 5 million. We want to get to 15 million. <clears throat> and, you know, this was this was key. And if ever growth stalled, it was because this number had stalled year on year. And therefore, we were coming into the next phase without the tailwind of those new customers pushing. So that's where this one came from. And basically very simple you get all your new customers for the past six months you add them up on that month and then you do the same next month and the next month and then you look at that year on year and you go well in october this year in last six months we've recruited two thousand customers last year we'd we've recruited one thousand customers so therefore we've got a tailwind of a thousand new customers more than we had last year so we should even if we didn't spend any money on advertising we should be doing better from email and all those kind of things than we did because we've got that we've got the house list that's bigger than it was and we're recruiting more it's not it's not just because like the existing customers will grow all the time but it's by how much you've added to that year on year compared to to where you were in a similar position because those i mean as ian said the frequency and recency of the customers usually means how much they're going to buy again yeah yeah i cool. do i think yeah i think it's i think it's you know i i think the six months of recruitment how many new customers were recruited in the last six months i think i think that's um really really important i don't think many businesses do look at that because it's just another yardstick, isn't it? It's yeah, just because another yardstick. And it's, as soon as I mention it, people go, oh, that's bloody obvious. Oh, that is obvious. We don't look at that. And you go, well, let's start looking at it. Yeah. It's yeah. Because I think a lot of the times your businesses look at the paid channels. Oh, that was a big sigh, Mark. Was it? Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> because I'm using his proper microphone. It's and like, it's, uh, picking oh, up it up. God. oh, God. Oh, I was just, I was just, life's over. <laughs> it was funny today. I was on a Zoom call and I was, I was being, I was being coached, not, and there was a group and they, they stopped the Zoom call at some point to ask me if I was all right because apparently I was looking really worried. I was like, I'm just doing Google AdWords. I, was, I, said, I said, this is my relaxing face. Uh, <laughs> it's like, like this whole Zoom call got, got it says, is Mark all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. It's just how I look. <laughs> just a worried Englishman. Yeah. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah. Oh, dear. Funny. I can't remember um, what I was going to say now. No, yeah, yeah we we'll are talking about the next one. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. You've nailed it. Just have a look at it. Nailed it. So, uh, next one is average order value robustness. Yeah. And interestingly, <laughs> when you were on Chloe Thomas's podcast, she asked you, Average order value, and I know average order value, but why robustness? 
and obviously because I put that one in there, you yeah. didn't know what it meant, and you didn't. You, you completely, as a, like a politician, you uh, ignored the you question. Avoided, you ignored the question. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're like robustness. Well, that's a good. That's a good. That's a good word, Chloe. Um, <laughs> which I shall just ignore. Yeah. Um, but let me let me explain to everybody what I meant by that, which was effectively. You know, what you don't want to do is rob Peter to pay Paul. So as you increase your sales or increase your traffic, you want to make sure that your average order value stays the same. So, you know, you can you could like discount by 50% and you could your sales could be going up, you'd be doing, oh, we're doing, you know, growing, but you know, you've you've reduced your prices and you're discounting and you're not you, you haven't got any robustness in your, your average order value. So as you grow, you want to make sure that your average order value is is keeping up with you because effectively uh, revenue equals traffic times conversion rate times average order value so it's very easy for you to add more traffic and have a higher conversion rate but if you've got a lower average order value to be in exactly the same position so the idea was as we grow what's the robustness of the average order value? Is it sticking up with us? Is it kind of going? Because we want to make sure that that stays the same or at least grows. And so that's the way the word word comes from. Yeah. I don't buy that. I think, I, I think you could have easily just taken the word robustness off. By mere nature of having average order value as one of the key KPIs. Yeah, but would it's show that it it's important and it's going up. It's seven unexpected KPIs ah, right. to scale an e-commerce oh, shop. Okay. So therefore, the word robustness yeah, of course. makes people realize that it's unexpected. It just kind of comes out of nowhere, doesn't yeah. it? It's like, ooh, and then you robustness, just what just, does that mean? It's, take, it's taking you, wrote, what, when did we write the book? 2018? 17? Well, first, first edition. First edition. Yeah. So it's taking you, yeah. you three years to come up with the re, what, what, what it means. It's taking three years to explain it to you, even though you've been talking to everybody yeah. and getting that question and going, robustness. Well, I don't know why Mark wrote that there. Why well, I didn't set the <laughs> <No> titles. <laughs> and the next one. So, I mean, average well, order value, on, then, uh, you can see that you're gonna, in Google you, Analytics. You're just going to move over to average order value? Jesus. That's a, there's more. Well, there, there's a lot in average well, order value. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll, done... I'll summarise it in, in, a, in a very succinct way. There's only two ways to get the average order value up. And it's either more items per order or it's more expensive products. And they, there's nothing really you can do. So have a look through the site and just ask yourself those, those two questions. Now, we've done podcasts on average order value. So I'd probably say just yeah. go and have a look at that. In fact, we could probably do five podcasts on average order value but ultimately they fall down to that very simple either more items per order or more expensive products and that's and yeah. that's it yeah and it's like a lot of time our secret source with average order value is is watching the data looking at you know, looking at what people look we've got the what we call the iceberg technique is we go and find what people are buying together even though it's difficult, going looking on the site and going, well, bloody hell, they had to really work hard to buy those two things together. But a lot of people have bought those two things together. If we make that easier, people will buy it again. And then we're looking for, you know, we've got the sweetie page upsells, we've got the post purchase upsells, we've got the, you know, we've got the the, the get the look and things like that. There's, there's been pretty much, you know, from a development point of view, one of the things you guys do in the UK the most is actually implement things that increase the average order value. That's probably mm. the thing I see the most 
coming out because effectively we're always trying to get more average order value so we can increase the ROAS so we can outbid the competition so that we can scale yeah. our ad spend and yeah. so it becomes, it becomes super important because it affects the lifetime customer value as well because if, they, if someone comes back to buy and they go oh I'm going to buy five things instead of three it, 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 it zooms it's a no up. brainer because so, it's the same advertising yeah. revenue you've spent the same advertising budget but you've got more more spend and Mm. You know, so it, it makes it makes a massive, massive difference. A huge, it's like money for it nothing. It's you know, it's, yeah, and, you know just go, just go. You know, walk around a really good supermarket, and just with with you know with your average order value hat on, and just see how they've laid things out. So you'll have some, you know, three for two offers. You'll have some, you know, buy one get one free. You'll, you'll see where mm. they've put things at the end of the gondolas. Mm. They'll put things together in the same place and then go down to the tills and you'll see the little upsells by the tills, you know, as you're starting to mm. pay. You just, you, just And there are bits of merchandising things here. And if you're actually aware of it, you'll go, that's the fourth time I've seen those pork scratchings. And it's because they're putting them on the end of aisles and that's a special on them. And, you know, it's, it's, it's done in a way that you end up with pork scratchings in your basket. You don't realise how they, how they got there. It's yeah. it's because it's done easily. Yeah, it's a no brainer. It's no brainer. Mm. Yeah. So and and, so and I think one. the other thing, just the last thing on average order value. Sometimes it's the critical strategy if you're selling other people's products, and it's a and it's a level playing field where it's the same price. So it's price. You know, you're selling an electronic good, and it's the same price. Everyone's selling. Prices are fixed, um, and they're bidding on that one product. And you're bidding on that one product, plus you've got a kick-ass average order value upsell strategy, which means your average order value is, you know, is £420 and everyone else is £350 because that's the price. And it means you can be more aggressive with your bidding strategy. You can spend mm-hmm. more and they can't. You know. So that leads us on to the next KPI, which is traffic growth. And I was just thinking about this as you were you were talking was like like what was the reason in January when my when we were launching the new edition of the book I was able to spend a hundred thousand dollars on Facebook advertising and then now I'm only spending probably about thirty thousand dollars twenty thousand dollars whatever and the reason was it was because my KPIs my return on advertised spend was enough to effectively allow me to sell the book for free um, in that you know it was costing me you know sixteen dollars to sell the book and I was getting sixteen dollars back. So, you know, in, in terms of what am I going to, what traffic am I going to drive? I'll drive as much as I can get. Yeah. It's not costing me anything. I'm getting in front of millions of people it's, and, and, and I, everybody's buying and reading the books. Fantastic. It's the same thing with, we've done with a lot of cosmetics businesses when we've got a self-liquidating offer with a sample or, you know, or a, or a food business where we've done a sample or, you know, I'm trying to do it with someone on the, on the 20K core with, with, with tights, you know, it's if you can get those things, then traffic doesn't become a, a constraint. Mm. So because you know if what you, you're saying, like, well, what what, yeah. what you're saying is traffic isn't actually normally a problem because because of the of the of the mechanisms that exist, the advertising channels that we've got. You know, you've got the Facebook side of it, you've got the social side of it with Instagram and Pinterest and Facebook, and you've got the Google side of it with all of the Google shopping ads, text ads, display mm-hmm. campaigns, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you've got a bit of affiliate and things like that. 
Um, you know, that getting traffic isn't the problem. The problem is being able to get it profitably. And that's what yeah. you're saying. And you're saying that if you can, if you can get a, a, if you can find a way that you can actually have an advertising campaign that pays for itself, you know, you ha- you, know, you should just run, 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 you know, run around the room with glee because you've cracked yeah. it. You've got an ability to scale. And the problem that happens is that most e-commerce businesses, and this is why we leave the traffic one to, to the end because, you know, based on the KPIs that we've got in the business at the moment, which is we know our conversion rate, which is based on average uh, ads basket basket to order. Uh, we know our average order value. Um, so therefore, and we also know our margins of product. So we know how much we can afford to spend on advertising. You know, what's our return on ad spend? And essentially, if you return on ad spend, based on the KPIs you've got at the moment, so the maximum, the minimum your return on ad spend can be is four times. So every pound I spend or every dollar I spend, only four, $4 back, you pull the traffic lever and the limit will be how much traffic can I get before I dip below that four times ROAS. And that's the mm. very, very important. But if I increase my average order value, if I got my average order value from $80 to $100, that means that for the same advertising money, I can get more traffic. I can get more traffic now because they spent more. So I can nudge that return on ad spend down to 3.5, which means I can get more traffic profitably. Yeah. So it's all about opening the window to allow the traffic to come through. I mean, think about it. Think about the most, the busiest, the busiest street, the busiest shopping place in the world, like uh, Times Square or Oxford Street in London. You know, you put any shop there, they're going to be busier. But the reason they're not there is because they can't afford the rent. The only shops mm. that are there are the ones that have got a proven business model to be able to make more money out of that traffic, those, that foot traffic, than they need to, to, to in order to afford the rent. Now, if they can't afford the rent, then they, they're not there anymore. So it's the same thing with Google and Facebook. Google and Facebook has these kind of hyper ways of traffic, huge amounts of traffic in different places, but the only people who can afford to be on those, you know, super, super trafficked high streets are the ones that can afford those effective Google and Facebook rents. And that's what we're trying to do. If we want to scale, we've got to get to the Oxford Street and the Times Square of Google and Facebook to be able to go and put ourselves in front of the main fire hose of traffic and make profit. And, you know, we all start around the, the you know, the, the sides in the alleyways to open a little store and open a little coffee shop and then get a little bit of, bit of customers. And we say, oh, this is working. This model is working. What if I could go and go to a slightly bigger street and get more traffic? And that's working. I'm still making money. I can afford the rent. And that's kind of we're gradually moving to closer and closer to where the, the action is by implementing these KPIs and improving them. And that's how we scale a business. Yeah, that's it. And then, you know... Uh, you know, and all traffic isn't you. You'll get some traffic from traffic from your existing customers, you know, won't you? But what's yeah. interesting is when you do your target sheet and you look at your KPI, you do your target sheet because obviously in our in the book, um, actually in the book we don't talk about the target sheet, do we? Um, I don't know. But the target sheet is something we do. With I think we do. We do. We? I think we do at some point. Um, yeah. I can't remember. But I'm not sure how much we mentioned it because at the time I didn't want to give it away. Oh, As a I just freebie. give everything away. And now, and now I, I give it to people in the Facebook group because 
we talk about it so much, then I was like, just, you know, get your target sheet going and then at least you can start well, having a better conversation yeah, with yourself. Yeah, right. If there's one thing you do, it. get that target sheet because it makes everything so clear. It takes away all the complications and emotionalness of knowing what to do. If you don't have the target sheet, I think you're just having a... It's very hard not to be scattergun, you know, be all over the place. Yeah, the, the target so, sheet and the margin sheet are, the, are probably yeah. probably two of our best tools yeah. to start with. And then what the target from a traffic perspective, what the target sheet shows you, it shows you what the gap is going to be. You know, what's the gap of traffic? Mm. So we know right, we know we can. This is the KPI we've got: our add to basket, basket checkout, average order value. Um, you know, we know these can only be pushed so far. And therefore, in order to get to the 10, 20 million mark, the gap has got to be filled with traffic. And that gives you a very, 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 like to the, exactly the amount of session that you need, you know, on a month, mm. month by month, all the way up to that, that 10, 20 million mark. And you then come backwards from to now, tells you how much traffic you need based on seasonality and metrics. So it's like, without that, how the hell... Do you shoot with to a twelve? I don't know how. You know, it's it's yeah. the lifeblood of it. And then, of course, the challenge comes. The last comes, KPI, the last KPI, which you may have oh, forgotten, okay. is on. the basket to order rate. Is the basket to Why order rate? I, I think the reason one? we put, I didn't skip it. It's just I've just gone through it in the way that it is Why in the book. Why did we write that chapter then? That was that's silly. Just random. It's like I've kind of gone, oh, I'll just stick just this in random. Press shuffle. Take the KPI and shuffled them up. I didn't realise 30,000 people were going to read the book. I thought it was just going to be, I was going to give it to you and give it to a few people around there. Say, oh, here's a nice book. Here you go. 25,000 people. Yeah. 30,000, I don't know. It's hard to count. It's hard to count. But I, I know I've sold a lot. <laughs> a lot more than I expected. Yeah. So, um, anyway, yeah, basket to order eight was the last KPI. And I guess I think the reason we do this video because we don't want people to focus on this first unless it's obviously low. Like, and, and, and to be honest, this KPI is a lot more stubborn than the other ones. Like if someone comes to us with a, with a basket order rate of 35 and someone comes with a basket order of 55, it's very hard often to get that 35 to a 55. It's, mm. it's just, you can increase it, but it's so much more stubborn. Um, because it's just how the person is conditioned for the sale and you can change it. And obviously, you know, a lot of people kind of come to us and they've got like a basket to order of 20, 25, 26, and you're like, there's got to be more money there. If you think about it, 25% of people are checking out and buying something of the people that put something into the basket. That means there's 75% of people who put something into the basket just leave the store. That's that's a lot of people, mm. if you think about it. I mean, it's a lot of people, even if you, you're optimizing, you're doing 55%, you're doing really well. Still, 50% of people that add something to basket don't end up checking out. So it's clearly an area that you can improve and get more people from, but we don't want people to focus on it first because often what happens upstream Will affect the add to basket, uh, the basket to order rate. So, like, give me give you a real good example, really quick example, is let's say on the product page you'd be very unclear about what delivery and returns policy is, and often people add to the basket to go to the basket page to see how much delivery is and then bail. So you might go, oh, I've got my add to basket rate's fine. It's not my add to basket rate. It's my basket to order rate, but actually. It's not. It's because people are going there artificially just to check out some information. A lot of people who would have liked to see that information 
on the on the product page wouldn't probably even add it to the basket in the first place. So the reason we do it in that order, add to basket first, bounce rate first, optimize that is because we want to know when we're working on the basket and the checkout that the figures we're looking at are true figures and the people there have a very good chance of actually buying something. Yeah. I thought that was brilliant. The way I, 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 if my wife was in here, she would have given me a thumbs up, but she's not. No, she'll listen. No, no she'll listen to the podcast and tell you later. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, she was recording me on the on the beach today, doing doing some explainer videos for the new new signups. Oh, that's cool. And I was drawing pic- pictures in the sand. Oh, what a lovely sticks. day you have, isn't it? That's a, what a lovely that's day. A, there you a, are. You on your yeah. sunny beach in New Zealand, whereas you me. <sighs> Manchester, raining today. Manchester. And it, and the sea was really loud, so I'm not sure if people can hear me because uh, the waves were too loud. Oh, nice. yeah. Anyway, let's go back yeah. before I get depressed. Back, where? back to the um, back to that uh, basket to order stat. I'm just thinking yeah. the, if there's anything else that you've not mentioned. I, I think sometimes people use the, the basket as a dumping ground to save things for later. And that can that can be yeah. quite difficult, but generally it's you know I think what you're trying to do in the in the basket to order stage is 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 get them to buy now, really give, give them a reason to actually you know make a decision. And you often you know it's scarcity and urgency really the two main drivers. You've got to I think a lot of people tend to use. When I was with a site the other day, um, they were doing about five million. And this is very, very normal. What, what, what I'm about to say is that the, the shopping basket was the default Shopify um, shopping basket, like with nothing on it. It's like a blank page. Yeah. Okay, there's your product. There's, you know, it's, you imagine what an experience that would be. Imagine if you're in a lovely boutique store in the high street and you added something to your basket um, and you went over, you know, you were talking to the shopping clerk about it and, You'd have this great experience. Yeah, that is a beautiful product. That's a great choice. Look, you know, don't worry. There's a you know, there's a seven-year extended warranty that is included. No quibble returns. You know, no product. If any product of you bring it back, and if you buy it today, you're going to get uh, fifty pounds off the next purchase as an extra promotion, and you're going to get this extra w- widget thingy, and you're going to get this. And, and look, if you don't like it, you bring it back. It's fine. You know, you take them to this wonderful experience. Whereas online, you add it to basket and it's like, boof. It's like the equivalent of, you know, saying to somebody in the shop, look, do you want it, mate? Get it, buy it now or bugger off. You know, you're not adding any value. So you've got, it's, it's a very important stage of the buy. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to continue yeah, it's to. It's like walking around a shop, sticking something in your basket and the person going, go, oi, buy it. And it's like, hang on a minute. Yeah. I'm not sure I want to buy it yet. I don't know what happens if I return it and what if it's not my size and what if it's uh, what if I see something else I like, might like and, you know, like, what are, what, what are other people who've bought this before yeah. and can I trust you and all those questions we've got to, yeah. we've got to answer. So there's a, in the, and in the, the basket, the, it's the basket page is, 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 in, is normally the one that's the problem. And, it's ne- and, and do you know what? It's never really, it's rather than the checkout, I mean, the pro- sometimes you, we find a problem where businesses take people to the checkout too soon, so you know they mm. skip the basket page, and we find that that can unless you're selling groceries and people are coming back like buying seven things every 
or seven, you know, 70 things every week. But it, it's quite rare for, for in most people. Um, but the, yeah, it tends to be tends to be that it's not anything technically wrong. It's just the emotional state of the customer that they're not sure ready to buy yet. You know, or there's anxieties mm-hmm. we haven't answered. You know, they think that they can get it cheaper or faster somewhere else, or they think that someone else is going to give them a better warranty returns policy, or they just don't trust this business. It's not sure yet. Mm-hmm. And then there's a little bit of oh god, they don't take PayPal. Oh, sod this. Yeah, it's just, it's just kind of it's a different conversation. Once someone knows they want to buy something, it's a different conversation. You have different needs, and you're just going to answer those. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Awesome. Anyway, I'll just sum up. Basically, we're doing KPIs this week. There's a chance to download the KPI sheet uh, and the training, which will tell you how to get the KPIs, which we've been talking through. We'll put the link in the show notes so you can grab it to your life's content. And we will see you next week at the next week's podcast. And if you do like it, uh, just respond to the email we send out with the podcast on and just let us know. And if you'd like us to cover any topics that we haven't covered, please let me know as well. And we'd be happy to talk through some of our experiences with improving whatever you're struggling with. So thank you very much. Thanks, everyone. Awesome.